Welcome to Raising the Standard. We're getting things done by lifting up Christ over every area of life. And this is Car Convos. And I'm Andrew. I'm actually not in the car right now, but you might be. And so welcome to this podcast. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder. Take along with you. So how about that? We live in pretty dark times um, relative to other times in history. I mean, I think things are coming to a head in our nation, at least in our culture. We're living in a day when riots are not only happening, but they're being uh, defended, justified, promoted by people who call themselves Christians. And I say riot specifically. I'm not pointing out that there's an issue with protesting or assembling in order to raise attention or even to use force to uh, yeah, draw attention to issues um, and to address them. But it's a matter of which issues are we drawing attention to? Is it principles of uh, life, of true justice according to biblical standards? Is it a matter of loving your neighbor by holding them under equal standards under the law? Or is it about destroying culture, destroying what's been built? And I think that because we live in dark times, we as Christian believers have to be all the more forceful in addressing these times and using the word of God to do so. And so I wanted to read a few Proverbs from the book of Proverbs, chapter 10. This is starting in verse 27, and we'll go through the end of the chapter in verse 32. Let me read these words to you. These are the words of God. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. And in these words, we see that there's a clear distinction being made between the people who fear God and who fear his wrath and who want to obey his laws, his statutes, and people who don't. See, we as Christians, we look at the law of God and we say, this is wise, this is just, this is good, this is what um, protects the innocent and seeks justice and seeks to punish the evildoer. But when we, when we don't have that as uh, our starting place when trying to understand justice, that is, when we don't want to look to God's law, we look to something else. And what comes out the other end, the author of Proverbs tells us. So here are these words. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Do we see that in this day? 
The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Do we see Christian hope in our day? The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. Do we see Christians taking refuge in the ways of the Lord? Do we see Christians advocating policies and laws that bring justice to evildoers, or as the text here says, destruction? The next verse. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. Now, this is talking about covenant blessing versus covenant cursing for the people of God who are called to dwell in the land. And we know that as Christians, God has uh, called us to go into all the earth and to make disciples, teaching them all that uh, God has taught to them, the original disciples, the apostles teaching them all that he's taught us in his word. Not only doing so, but baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we see from there, that's from Matthew 28, the Great Commission that the land is the whole earth. The righteous will never be removed. Well, removed from where? In the final analysis, the righteous will never be removed from the whole earth, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. So we look forward to the day of, uh, of judgment, the day of reckoning when God weighs uh, the sin of each and um, sees it either in light of Christ or in light of rejecting Christ and then casts out the wicked from the land. We also seek in this day, though, to image that in how we pursue justice. We want our justice systems, our policies, to reflect God's justice. And the only way to do that is to look to his righteous law, his righteous word, and to apply it to our own systems of justice. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. In our day, I'm I'm afraid that we live in a day when Christians that is, those who are righteous. Because we're lacking the fear of the Lord, we're, we're shy about bringing his word to bear in every area of life. And scripture calls that foolishness. When you're afraid of man, when you're afraid of consequences of the here and now, and you're not afraid of God, then you're not wise. Because Proverbs, the first chapter, talks about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord, not the fear of man, not the fear of material consequences. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so we see in this verse, the mouth of the righteous, the one who fears the Lord, the one who is speaking the truth of God, it brings forth wisdom. It knows how to weigh situations justly, insightfully, creatively, helpfully, and ultimately for the good of God by bringing him glory and the good of the people. But the perverse tongue will be cut off. The evildoer will be one day silenced.
The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. This particular proverb harkens back to the previous one. We as Christian believers know what is right. The Ten Commandments were given to us. And we're to bring those to bear on every living creature. But the mouth of the wicked, it says, only know what's perverse. Does that mean that the mouth of the wicked can't know the Ten Commandments? Well, of course it can. Just the way that the mouth of the wicked can do math or can know geography. The unbeliever can know things about the world, but he can't know them rightly. It's one thing to know something. It's one other thing to be able to understand what's going on beneath the surface. How do you know what you know? And those who are not in the Lord can't tell you why in a consistent way the commandments, the Ten Commandments in particular, are worth anything morally. Um, They will inconsistently apply them. They will make exceptions in some of the strangest ways. Um, because ultimately they don't know them. They're not familiar with them in the right way. Um, They don't think that they're good. And we live in a day, of course, in which that is blatantly obvious. Our nation has instituted laws that have promoted unjust murder of people. Um, And that can be anything from Roe versus Wade, 1973, and all of the abortion legislation coming from our Supreme Court. Or it can be, you know, the militarization of the police force and lack of accountability there. Um, But either way, in the bottleneck of our court system, uh, we as Christian believers have not been speaking and exerting influence heavily enough in that area such that uh, we're promoting righteousness. We're not speaking clearly on these things. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. So there's a clear distinction between those who know God and fear him, want to honor him as Lord in every area of life and uphold his commandments, and those who don't. We as Christians are called, of course, to do that. We're called to seek the Lord in everything. We're called to bring him glory. We're called to be a Christian from head to toe. And we should have the practical wisdom to recognize that that means that we'll face adversity sometimes. And we should have the practical wisdom to know that we do live in a fallen world in which things are difficult right now. Things are in pretty bad shape. But that's not to say that we lose hope. We don't lose vision of what's ahead in the final day when God will uh, separate the wheat from the chaff and all things will be made right. All justice will be brought. Every injustice, every imbalance will be brought to account and will be made right. As Christians, That is our final and ultimate hope. And as Christians, we can work in our daily lives according to that hope. We can use God's law 
to understand the things around us by seeing the principles at work in it and being like, ah, murdering is wrong because it violates the Imago Dei. Now let's work on different cases that apply that. Let's look at abortion. Let's look at, you know, any other handful of, of cases. So we as Christians, um, we have a library of resources in Scripture. We have a university of resources in Scripture that instruct us on these things. And so it's our job to bring them to bear on the world in which we're living. And we're not to do that in light of the already and the not yet, in the sense that it's already but not really. There's no hope. God won't bring things to pass until the very end. We're not supposed to think that way. Rather, we should take our obligations seriously and consider them in light of all of Scripture. And so along those lines, if you, like me, are feeling pretty discouraged about the things that are going on in the world right now, and you're not really sure what to make of them, get on your knees and pray and ask God for help. Open up his word and just start reading it. When it comes to practically understanding the fallenness of the world that's going on right now, I would read Romans, particularly paying attention to chapter 1 and the fallen nature of man that plays out not only in spiritual life and in the final judgment, but also in history. Paul gives a clear picture of what that looks like in Romans 1. And from there, of course, he proceeds to apply Christ's gospel to that bad news throughout the book of Romans. And so once you understand that, the state of man and the goodness of God and his application of the gospel to history, you now have the keys to be able to unlock the mysteries of the Old Testament, which all point toward that gospel. They point toward Christ. They are the mystery hidden. And so you can look to a book like Deuteronomy and see how the law of God was to be applied in the promised land in order to understand things like the Ten Commandments, not only in a spiritual and moral sense, but also in a practical, political, cultural, social sense. And if you're like me, this can be a pretty daunting task, so... Take it seriously, because we live in a day that requires serious attention. And so I hope this encourages you. Um, This isn't meant to be dour. It's not meant to bring us down, but we're supposed to take hope, to look to Christ, the, the Savior who will bring things to pass. He will make, he will wrong, he will, he will right every wrong. Um, He's going to address every injustice and make things right one day. So don't lose hope. Pick up your Bible and let's get to work. And I almost forgot to say, don't forget to like, 
share, subscribe to this podcast, what everyone else is saying you should do to these sorts of things. Uh, We are trying to get this message out to as many people as possible. The only way we can do that is with your help. So please do the things. Do us a favor. Thank you. Raise the standard. Goodbye.